Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food and Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, and my guest today is Philip Spear, and he is the uh, owner, chef owner of the soon-to-open Commodore. I guess I'm his guest today. We're in the back office of his uh, restaurant and bar and here in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest, and I'm just... Hi, Philip. How are you Hi, doing? Hi, how are you? I am thrilled to... I just walked through the space that you are opening that you built from the ground up. Ground up building. We've never done anything like that. I've never been a part of anything like that to to, to build from a, a site plan. So it was really, really neat and really... Uh, giant learning experience but you have and by the way if you hear a noise in the background because this is an active building stuff is happening around us um think so if you if you want to actually describe where we are and what you're doing <laughs> well you know as you said we're we're in austin we're downtown austin during south by southwest which is kind of a madhouse around here we are in we are on a half floor sort of 1200 no, 1000 square foot office ish kind of thing <laughs> in between the uh, air conditioning for this uh, 50,000 square foot building and the riser room and there's electric panels everywhere and we're this is our our we call it our Facebook startup office um, we have you know laptops and computers in here and this is basically where we have uh, dreamt up the new restaurant where the bar that we run called garage it was created um, and we're in the Star Building, which is a mid-century building. It was the first um, ad agency in all of Austin um, and the first valet garage. And so what you're saying is it's glamorous in yes, here. Yes, so glamorous. <laughs> There's a lot of light bulbs behind uh, Philip's head. There's light which bulbs, actually boxes. is kind of, kind of great because I see all the, the light bulbs going off for you. I know. There's so many ideas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, so we had met... Uh, Years ago, the previous time that I was at South by Southwest and was doing a, a, a dinner where we had uh, Chef Zach Northcutt picked some people he wanted to work with. Um, he really wanted to celebrate his community. You've been part of the Austin food community for a long time. Mm-hmm. Are, are you commenting on my age? No, I think I'm right there with you. <laughs> but so when did you get here to Austin? Um, I've been in Austin since 1993, and I've been in the restaurant scene in Austin since... 96 or so so yes quite some time over 20 years in the in the culinary industry in austin yeah and you have opened a lot of different restaurants you've been part uh, of different restaurants if you want to give the laundry list of some of those sure um you know most notably i was with the uchi group for 10 years um mm-hmm. d- during that time with the uchi group we create we went from the single uh standing um og uchi as we call it the original um uchi house on the mar to to a very large multi-unit company. Um, I was part of that growth. I'm grateful to have been a part of that. I started as their pastry chef um, and left as their culinary director and um, had a great time there. Previous to that, I opened up uh, Bank Jean George in Houston, Texas, wow. which was a, a very fun experience and a, a huge learning, another learning experience for me. Um, before that, independent restaurants all around Austin. I originally got my start uh, in scratch bakeries here in Austin. I, I always knew I wanted to be a pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent six years here in local bakeries doing everything from laminates to breakfast you know, breakfast pastry and laminates to, to scratch breads. Um, switched over to restaurants. Um, and as I said, worked in independent restaurants around Austin. Joined the Uchi Group, was there for a decade. And then in 2000. 15 left Uchi and began work on my first restaurant uh, of my own called Bonami. Um, unfortunately, Bonami closed a few months ago, but we gave it a good uh, year and a half run and ha- had a ton of fun doing it and I'm completely proud of everything we did in that building. Um, we, you know, as I like to say, we definitely went out on a high note. Um, we never, you know, we're very proud of what we did. And then uh, during that time, um, Callie Spear opened Holy Roller and, you know, I was able to help and be a part of that. Um, and we also opened My Name is Joe yeah, um, Coffee Company. Yeah, talk that and the motivation behind that, if you will, because this is, we're going to get into it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, my, my current partner in Commodore is William Ball and he, he and I opened uh, My Name is Joe Coffee Company, which um, originally started as a coffee trailer, a uh, really, really nice 1954 fully restored Airstream. And what we wanted to do is work with uh, a local rehab center to to, to sort of foster um, 
patients coming out of the rehab and give them a safe place to work and gain some job skills and some comfort comfortability in the service industry before moving on to restaurants. We also had a very strong connection with restaurants, so we were able to place some of these people into restaurants. So we wanted to almost be like a stepping stone for, for people in recovery um, going back into the workforce. We also donated a portion of all of our profits um, to rehabilitation centers, one in specific, uh, specifically that we worked with a lot called Serenity Star, which is a, a, a totally free uh, nonprofit rehab that is completely donation-based. And uh, we also, with My Name is Joe, um, did a lot of fundraising and were able to ra raise, you know, in the past couple of years, over $100,000 for that specific uh, rehabilitation center. So we've had a lot of success and a lot of fun with My Name is Joe. We um, have our trailer on the lot where we've just built our restaurant. So we've moved the trailer, and that's uh, the trailer is on hiatus right now, mm -hmm. but we're still fundraising for My Name is in the name of My Name is Joe for um, Serenity Star. In fact, we had a fundraiser uh, about six weeks ago where we were able to raise $48,000 in one dinner. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, again, just grateful for the people coming out, wanting to support this kind of thing, um, and we focus the efforts on getting the restaurant complete, and then we will uh, continue to focus efforts on raising funds in the My Name Is Joe name. So let's talk about your own particular uh, journey. You're you're in recovery. I'm currently in recovery. Yeah, and that, and <laughs> congratulations. Like that Thank is. Thank you. So you you've been pretty public. You did an astonishing video a few years ago. I think it was with Chef's Feed. It was with Chef's Feed, correct. Yeah, because, um, you know, if let, let's talk about this. Yeah, I, I had, you know, I had I met you when we did this this dinner mm -hmm. some years back, and mm -hmm. then I saw your name in the news. Right. Um, you know, going I made national news again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Well, here, here's on the upswing. We're, we're doing this, but these, these were, were stories about DWIs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so let's... Um, yeah, I mean, um, throughout my adulthood and, you know, career, um, they do go hand in hand. You know, I, I'm going to be up very upfront, and I've said and this a lot. thank you for it. <laughs> I do not scapegoat the industry for the, my actions, yeah. right? I love this industry. I mm -hmm. love the nurturing aspect of it. I love the hospitality. I do not blame the restaurant industry for the way that I behave in yeah. my life. However, yeah. they do go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. um, it is my life. The chicken and egg nature <laughs> of it. The people who are drawn into the restaurant industry and then the habits of the restaurant industry make Abs it pretty cyclical, I feel like. Ab absolutely. And, you know, that's what we're working to is to kind of change that cycle. But what had happened was, you know, through my enti entire adulthood, I'd have had struggles with, with mainly alcohol, but some mm -hmm. drug use as well. Um, and... Uh, you know, I've, I had gotten a few DWIs throughout my 20s and in my 30s, actually, right when I began at Uchi, I, I got my third DWI. Yeah. And, um, is this a state where it's three strikes? Is it? Yeah, the third is a felony. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first should probably be a felony, but uh, the third is a felony. Um, at that time, you know, with I had just begun at Uchi and it was going to be a life changing experience. It was a yeah. life changing experience for me, but I was just so amped up about being there. Um, and, you know, I had a, a discussion with the ownership group and it was like, look, this this can't be you if you're going to be part of our company. And I'm right. like, you know, absolutely. So I spent the next several years, as I said, working with the, the, the company, but, um, you know, slowly fell back into the old habits. Yeah. Um, as I was able to travel around the world, uh, the country and do some things and be, you know, partake in, in what was going on in the industry and the nightlife and yeah. um, doing the, the events and, and the festivals and such, you know, it, it got travels hard. Festivals hard. are hard. It's hard. It's big. It's a, you know, it's you, the accountability is very different yeah, when absolutely. you're, when you're out in the world. Um, if you don't have any for yourself, that is. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true because there's, there's really, you're away from your restaurant. You're away from your family, family, um, animals for <laughs> a lot of people too, which, and not joking on that, like yeah, a no, dog absolutely. will really keep you grounded. And everybody around you is saying like, come on, asshole, get out here and, you know, have well, one more. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're, you go back to a hotel room. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I made a lot of great friends doing yeah. that. And that I still have. And, I've, and I'm very grateful for all those relationships. Yeah. A lot of those friends have kind of changed their life as well. Yeah, there's, um, uh, there, yeah. But, you know, in 2014, um, I, I Throughout those years, I'd kind of fallen back into my old habits in 2014, um, and I was starting to get a little bit of a reputation for it, and um, 
I knew, I knew that yeah. I knew what was my downfall would be. And I hoped it didn't happen, but I didn't make any changes until it did. And so I had another catastrophe moment, which was when I flipped my car into a live gas main after wow. an event that I was representing the company that I worked for. And uh, it made national news. Yeah. Um, like, like for real national news. Yeah. Um, cover of the paper. You know, I was, I was on the cover of the Houston paper. Um, you know, yeah. um, we had because of the group I was attached to and the sort of the high profile nature of it. Um, it was talked about a lot. I uh, went through all the food media, um, kind of ugly, honestly, yeah. but yeah. you know, it was, I, my, my heart hurt for you when that yeah. was going on because that is, that's sort of the double punch of, of this. I think we're, I think media is learning to talk about this kind of stuff in, in a, in a different way because we now know the stakes of it more yeah, because people like you have come forward with it, <laughs> but so and which is another reason why I am, uh, you know, I, I first and foremost, I'm so open about my struggles and my journey and my recovery because I want to help other people. And yeah. I want to show people that, you know, you can have some of the worst of the experiences and still come back. Right. And when I say come back, I mean, yeah. just have a normal life again or a somewhat normal life again. Um, but also another reason I'm so open with it is because I, I, I've. It was so hard in the media yeah. that I want to be like, look, if you're going to, if you're going to highlight my worst, let's, let's talk about my best too. And that's where yeah. I am right now. I'm in the best part of my life. Yeah. I mean, so let's, we will not dwell on this, but I think yeah. it's really important because there are a lot of people, maybe some who are listening right now who are in a really dark place and they maybe are afraid to get help they're afraid yeah. to talk about it because they're afraid of ending up on on that cover of the paper they're afraid of people looking at them in a different way and i think it's important for them to know that they're they're not alone they're not they're not alone and there's you know i was uh, speaking with another chef of mine earlier today and so much of it's just a conversation and yeah you know if you're listening um and you're feeling that way i think it, sometimes it's hard to begin a conversation. So what I really want to to reach out to the other people who are, you know, specifically in our industry, but just anyone's like, f be open to have that conversation. Yeah. You see someone struggling, you know, for me, it's as simple as, hey, man, what's going on with you? Did anybody you know? come to you when they saw you in this? Mm -hmm. Or it was just like, oh, Philip likes to party. What mm -hmm. what was the what was the attitude of the people around you? For them, I mean, for the people who were more distant and the, the travel and the hanging out and the, yeah. the short bursts of, of time of spending time together. Yeah, it was it was more of a party. But there were people who were close to me who um, who were pretty upfront with me, like, dude, this mm -hmm. is not going well for you. And one yeah. of them is another uh, one of my best friends and a, a chef owner in Austin, uh, Nick Giannis. And, you know, mm -hmm. we had a lot of a lot of talks leading up to that moment. And I. I you know, yeah. I could have listened more. Uh, um, <laughs> you but, can't fault your, your past you yeah. <laughs> for that. It's but he was always there afterward. Yeah. Um, you know, and Tyson Cole as well. Um, yeah. I think I hid a lot from Tyson because he was a mentor. Yeah. Um, but I, he's not stupid. Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, after afterwards, you know, through this recovery process, I've had so much support from both of those men um, and, and Tyson very, very, very much. Um, and again, being open about the things that have happened and the struggles, the recovery, et cetera, there's support pours in from all over. I mean, the fact that we, you and I are even sitting here yeah. is such a big part of that. And it's a testament to, to not only how, how, how you are paying attention to what's going on in our industry and in the world, but how, you know, between your organization with the chefs with issues and food and wine and all this, like it's, it, it feels good to know that, we can talk about this. It's, I mean, the thing that I sort of realized is the, the, the scary, one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life was uh, when I was still working at, at CNN, you know, when we met, I, I don't remember if I was already talking about this stuff. I think I was. Mm. And I wrote a few very public uh, stories about my struggles with depression and with anxiety. And that made it sort of, I was still the food editor, but luckily, you know, CNN was awesome about letting me do this. And, and chefs started to come to me to talk about, what they were going through and it just became this sort of ongoing thing but i remember i would hear about various chefs in the industry and i would see people out at yeah. parties out at events and, and try to figure out what my place was in 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 this and now i sort of know my place a little bit more about this but I, you know you don't want to be the one to spoil the party you don't want yeah. to be the you don't want to be a downer <laughs> yeah i mean there was one chef in particular who ver is very public about his recovery now and stuff and, and blessed but like the first time i ever met him he came up to me and uh bit me so hard on the arm i had a bruise for a week i think i know who that is yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to name names but this person luckily is very you know much better. actually it's multiple chefs have bitten me for okay. some <laughs> some weird reason i don't know 
why maybe i'm very delicious i don't know i do i do have food tattoos yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, but you know you you sort of I think people are less and less inclined to sort of turn a blind eye to this. It's sort of more like, hey, maybe, you know, the chefs who have sort of more turned a corner and gotten lucky and who have lived mm-hmm. through. Well, I was going to uh, say the, that's the, the, the whole lived oh, through God. part is a big part of it. I mean, the losses have been. There have been so many. They've been so public. And um, yeah, uh, and you lived through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I did. And I've literally, you know, not 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 speak like I wake up every morning grateful for that you yeah. know and that's not just I really I truly do because there's so many not only did I live through it but other people around me I did I never yeah you know <laughs> lived through it as well um but there are many who didn't and it's yeah. it, it's I think that's another huge part of it is like look we're we're losing we're losing our our mentors our peers our, Jesus, our friends yeah. And we have to talk about this. That's, and I, I just want to say for one second, again, if people are, are listening, there is a thing called Crisis Text Line, and you can text them 24-7. It's yes. all volunteer-operated. I, I got the training from them. It's one of the best things I've ever done. And it's, the number is 741-741. You can text, and there's some, a trained crisis counselor is there on the other end and will listen to you. And it's actually a really great thing for, you can go into a bathroom stall and do it so that way you don't have to call somebody mm-hmm. and nobody can overhear you. Um, and it's a, it's a really valuable thing and it's kept a lot of people alive. But, um, you know, this past year has hurt. Mm-hmm. We've lost, I know of at least 17 people since Tony, since Anthony Bourdain took his own life. Mm-hmm. And... I feel like a lot of it is people who are not, who do not make the headlines, who are right. line cooks, who are barbacks, mm. who their friends know, and there's a ripple effect Absolutely. about this. So let's talk about this. I know that Austin has been through a lot mm-hmm. in the past few years, maybe even going back further before it was making the, the headlines. How are you all taking care of yourselves and each other? How did people take care of you? You you had this night. You made the headlines. Did mm-hmm. you, you you went to jail? Did oh you yeah go? yeah I did I, yes I did. yeah. So you come out of that. What does that look like? How what did how did how were you treated in in the restaurant world when you came out? Um, man. <laughs> yeah. It's you know it was really hard at first. Um, it was not you know I feel like overall people were good to me, but yeah. you know I have this dark cloud in my brain of who I was now. Yeah. And and. You know, no matter how someone treated me, I always thought that they were judging me, and, and they yeah. may have been, but yeah. it was it was me judging myself. Yeah, which I des- which I it's, deserved. <laughs> I mean, we've we've all got that little account. Anybody who deals with, I think, addiction or mental illness or whatever has that little accountant brain mm-hmm. in in the back, and you're coming up short all the time. I know I have that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it was hard. The hardest part, the hardest hardest part, was knowing that. You know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who was a, a, a sophomore in high school, was yeah. looking at her phone and her <sighs> friends were looking at their phones and seeing the video of me um, getting up from the wreckage. And there was, you oh, know, my yeah. youngest daughter who had started kindergarten and the, the parents and the teachers and everyone at the school knew. And it was just it was the worst feeling. It was it was worse than any any punishment that could ever been bestowed upon me, um, which they all were, um, yeah. you know, and I came out and there was, I had people who were very supportive. Um, I think as I was doing things to outwardly change my life and take accountability for what I had done and how I'd behaved, because at the end of the day, it is all about me and what I did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about anything else. Um, I, th- the support grew. Yeah. You know, people like uh, my good friends at Chef's Feed who came and They're good folks. They are very good folks. Um, you know, Roxanne Weber and Blake and the whole crew, like they came out and, and were like, hey, let's talk about your story. Let's put it mm-hmm. out there. Um, and right afterwards, they did some other, you know, Chris Cosentino is one of my favorite that they did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with, with his, his, his mental battles. Um, and, uh, you know, putting that out there, more support came in. And I think... You know, good decisions beget good, good, good feelings. And as I was making the right decisions and doing what I thought were the right things for me yeah. and for my family, the support grew. Um, and 
you know, I started being healthier, not only mentally, but physically, um, therapy and AA. God bless therapy. And and it's still something that's very, that I'm very current with, you know, I've, I've, I always need to speak to someone. This is, this is daily work. It's, this is the thing I think people don't necessarily understand about mental illness or addiction or any of these things it is uh, it's a daily work in progress and i you know i never use the word uh you know cured or solved or any mm-hmm. kind of stuff because it's you know it's a daily battle and it's one that it i is. think people in restaurants are waging constantly and the thing is until kind of the past few years people were really suffering in silence because this extreme kind of macho shut up and cook uh-huh. thing right and it's real you know it's it, it, it's it's a it's a real attitude in the kitchens it has been for many 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 years but it's shifting it's absolutely shifting and i think that you know it's obvious that the shift has begun with just conversations and i think as a business owner and a chef and hopefully a mentor to people um you know my openness begets more openness you know my 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 business partner who's also in recovery which i mentioned william ball um you know the two of us are able to to have each other there, yeah right and but we huge. still do our own work outside of that relationship you know between sponsors and sponsees etc you know i'm not going to get into the whole program thing uh because everyone's journey is their own journey yeah, but it helps it helps us you know? yeah I, I feel i've gotten just from because uh you know recovery is you know i try to stay in my lane on that because yeah. you know for some reason i don't have that genetic mm-hmm. switch whatever that particular most people don't yeah and <laughs> i think uh, you forget that most people yeah. do not yeah yeah, and that's that's one of those things, and I sort of count myself very lucky that I, you know, don't have, you know, I have my own, you know, hard wiring and genetic <laughs> wiring that makes, you know, other things really, really difficult um, for me. But I, so I am so interested in finding out, like, pe- people have such different paths to recovery. Like, I'll, you know, name a name here because he's so, so open and generous about talking about this. Um, I, you know, I sat down with Andrew Zimmern for a while this morning and Mm -hmm. he was talking about, you know, his particular thing. And for him, he, you know, meetings are are such a big thing. I know for some people, it's more of a meditation practice. It's more other kind of things. I know so many chefs who are um, in recovery or, or just, you know, they just need it more and more going into physical fitness. It feels yeah, like absolutely. Um, real quick, back up yeah, for one second course. on Andrew, um, someone who absolutely does not need or uh, um, have the time to take to take time to reach out to people and to make them feel good and support them. He has been a huge supporter of me and yeah. has been a part of my journey and, and inspiration. And and, I, and it's so awesome to be able to look at up to him and see what he's done over the last 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, and again, that's been a big part of my journey. There's been other chefs in the industry who are also open with their recovery. So I'll say one of, you know, Gregory Gordeo is another big one. He's writing a communal table essay yeah. as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a big part of my, he was one of the people who, when the day I was out of jail, he called and he was like, Hey dude, like let's talk. Yeah. And, and we never stopped talking. That's um, so, that's, you know, that is the the reach out the the check in the hey mm-hmm. how are you doing thing I think people people I hear a lot from people who are like I don't know how to do it I don't want to make it awkward live with the fucking awkward yeah <laughs> it's okay to be awkward for a little bit <laughs> yeah um, yeah and it may never pass it's fine <laughs> that's <moment>. our, <laughs> awkwardness never killed anyone yeah. but like I would say like okay so you're gonna see your line cook cry like that like you'll both live through that and like and the worst thing is if you don't say anything and they don't live through it yeah. you know. And that's very real. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very real. Um, and so those things, and those are people from all over the country who are reaching out. And it means you don't have to be in the same room. Right. Like, you know, that's one thing that I love with, with Chefs With Issues is you can, you, there's literally, I see connections of people over literally all over the world. You've been awesome in that too. Cause I see, you know, I, I see you popping in if somebody, you know, needs help, if they're just having a bad day or whatever, I see you pop up. And I also know, you know, we can send up the bat signal to you yeah. if somebody is, oh, is, is, is struggling, like, you know, you know, just sort of, you know, CC you on it and you, you pop right in there. And Absolutely. that's the thing that I have also noticed very much about like, you know, against coming from outside the recovery community, but it's so supportive of, of other people in a really particular way. I think, how do you how do you speak to somebody who you see might be in crisis and they're not ready to make that leap yet? Like, how do you act with them? How do you treat with them? What's the language you use to them? And can we do it in two different scenarios? One where it's somebody you notice who's maybe a peer, mm-hmm. and then one where if it's somebody who works for you. Absolutely. Um, 
well, you're very right, I think, in where, kind of where you're going with that is like th- these are decisions that you have to make yourself. No one can make them for you. So when you see someone ahead in that direction, what I like to do if it's if it's a peer, if it's a friend is like, hey, I've, I've been where you are. Um, I struggle with that every day, but I've been where you are. And if you ever want to talk about that, yeah. please let me know. So, you know, it's it's as far as um, just seeing that and seeing your peer in that situation, it's really just a it's a check in. It's a hey, I'm here because you can't really force it on anyone. And and a lot of times forcing it on people kind of turns them away. Yeah. Like Um, because you have to uh, when you're dealing with stuff, take a look at yourself and some things you might not like about yourself in that process of admitting things is really difficult and also chefs are not known for taking great care of themselves and for asking for help and (laughs) how do you get somebody over the the hurdle of of that of, of just asking for help again i think it's just openness um you know i may not and i've been in this situation um more than once where I did have an employee who was, it was very clear to me where he was going and what was going on. Um, and rather than, I knew that a conversation with this particular employee wouldn't work. Yeah. So I literally had conversations around him all the time. Yeah. That's, so yeah, talk about take, how you do that. Mm-hmm, so I would take another chef. Uh, at that point it was my sous chef and I would have a conversation with my sous chef about what we were going through. And he would all, I know he was listening and I did, could see it. <laughs> was your sous chef in on this? Yes. Like, oh, so, no, no, absolutely. So uh, yeah. that's so, like, it's like this sort of sneak attack. I like that, the self-care sneak attack. Well, it worked <laughs> because I knew he was listening and I would see him peek up and there would be times yeah. where I would, I knew he was listening and I would kind of tailor the conversation a little bit to kind of more touch in like his specific world because I knew what was going on. And eventually we were in a conversation in the back prep room and he was there and he was rolling bread out and we were having a conversation and he, he joined the conversation. That's brilliant. And that's generous on your part to yeah. and it was do a, that. It was a, it was a literal med, like premeditated thing. Like we're going to talk about this around him yeah. until he breaks and it worked. <laughs> he broke. <laughs> it's like breaking somebody with kindness. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, I, I think people aren't used to seeing good behavior modeled for them because for such a long time there was that freaking pirate ship uh kind of thing and nobody wanted to be the one kind of to spoil the party i know when i started talking openly about this some of the feedback i would get was like why are you telling us what to do why are Mm -hmm. you trying to shit on our good time and and my sort of take on that was like yeah i know i haven't worked in restaurants i'm very aware of that like i'm not trying to tell anybody what to do uh it's just letting people know that they're not alone in this and 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 you know, not being prescriptive about it. Everybody has to find their own path. But just to hear somebody else say that, like, that, like, hey, you know, they're going through something is huge. I think it's important to sort of touch on, like, we talk about changing our lives and changing the, shifting the culture. But, like, I still go and hang out. Yeah. I still go to the events. I still go to the parties. Yeah. And it took me a minute to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And I had, and I took a step back and I took a break and I figured it out and I did therapy and meetings and rehab, et cetera. Right. But once I got good with me, yeah. which took some time and I'm still getting good with me every day. It's a lifelong process. <laughs> I was able to go and participate and I, it's not, I have fun. Yeah. I still travel. I still get to speak with people and have fun with people. And I'm not just hanging out with sober people. Like I, you know, I know when it's time for me to leave. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm fine with that. And there will be those situations where your self-acceptance or self-realizations will be an ugly mirror to someone and they may not want to be around you. Yeah. That's on them. I get that. They're just not ready. It's on them. And that's fine. And don't, you don't have to begrudge them. You don't have to, but you can still be a part of everything that's going on. Mm Mm-hmm in your with your own boundaries it's just knowing those boundaries and how to really stay true to them i i don't i i would not be happy living my life in my now 40s um, <laughs> right there with you <laughs> going home and i mean i love going home don't get me wrong yeah. but like just feeling like i was forced to not participate in things yeah that's not why i'm here that's not why i do this this is we i love what i do i love doing the events i love doing the dinners i love the travel i love meeting chefs and eating at restaurants and you know what there's alcohol in restaurants Mm -hmm. i don't partake in that but i still eat as much as i can and be as gluttonous (laughs) and have as much fun as i can and it's it's an it's a it's a excellent existence. I'm totally cool with it. So let's talk about the mechanics of walking into that party or something. Say you're newly sober, you're and you're worried about stuff. There isn't necessarily anything. 
I think I, I think places are getting much better about having non-alcoholic options at them. But I know times when I'm not drinking usually for, because of like medical reasons or whatever, it's sometimes hard to find freaking water, <laughs> and that that's deeply frustrating. But let's say you're 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 planning to go to an event far from home, and you don't get to go home at the end of the night. You're walking into this party. What is your behavior there? How do you do that? How do you, how, how can how can you tell somebody who this is their first time how it might go for them? Well, I would really really suggest not going alone. Yeah. Um, then that would be the big thing. Have a check-in friend or even a check-in phone call. Um, as cheesy and silly as that may sound, that's it's not it's it's, it's, it's so <laughs> important. That's how and that's how I did it. I would never I never went to at first. I always had someone that I was with that I knew that I could just be like oh kind of over it or oh and just knowing like I said no. You're not always. You're not going to immediately know your boundaries, and your boundaries are going to change and evolve per situation and per time, right? So, but knowing knowing when you're like, all right, maybe it's time to go. Have an escape route, you know. If you're far away from home and you just have a, have a ride planned out, or if it's not your own ride, but it's ride share. If there's two buses leaving from the event, make sure you signed up to be on the first bus. I mean, there are things you can do. Think about. Like have a plan of action. Think about what the event's going to be like. Okay, I know I'm going to get there. I know at first everyone's going to be there, and no one's going to be drinking yet. And everyone's going to be a little bit awkward, and it might be kind of weird. But then people will start loosening up. But just know that moment when you're like, okay, this is when I go. This is when I go home. And I think as you do that, or this is when I check in with my friend, or this is when you know. Again, I, I'll, I'll bring Nick up again. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, Nick, it's time for me to roll out. Yeah, let's go. You know, and just be in those situations where put yourself in those in those situations where you're kind of plan making a plan of of how you're going to escape and it, it's silly as escape sounds like that's that's no. how i look at it and uh it's kind of fun it's kind of fun being like <laughs> i'm in control and i think yeah. a lot of people forget that and i say it's funny i say that to my coworkers and employees all the time like dude you're in control of this situation mm -hmm. don't ever forget that like whatever that situation you know all the situations are different but we are in control of what we do like no one's forcing you to stay. No one's forcing you. You showed up. You said hello. You made a mm -hmm. couple conversations. You can go. You don't have to stay till the bitter, bitter end. Yeah. In fact, you may stay the bitter end and be fucking miserable. Yeah. Right? You can go when you want. And I think that's the big thing is knowing. And then, again, as you do that, those boundaries will be be more visible to yourself. And you're like, all right, this is my exit. This is my time when I leave. Yeah. And then it becomes so much easier and you become more comfortable. And then... I mean, then you become the person that everyone wants to talk to. <laughs> right. Because you're, you're going to be sober there. Uh -huh. You're going to be. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like the, I think the solidarity of that is, is, really, is really huge. I remember the, um, the first year that there was like the chill space at Atlanta Wine and Food. Uh -huh. and, you know, yeah. and it was, it was such an important thing uh, that happened there. And I think some people felt pretty safe going there. But I remember yeah. running into... A, a chef and uh for people who haven't been to that particular festival it's at a hotel where there's a big bar in the lobby and chaos, chaos. absolute <laughs> absolute chaos uh there but you know good people wonderful people who don't get to see each other all that often but there is a bar there and uh and you have to kind of run the gauntlet of it before you can get anywhere to your room to the chill space whatever it happens to be chill space with this great thing where people could you know, have a meeting or, and not drink. And it was just really lovely thing. And yeah. thank you to the people who organized that. Um, but I remember running into a friend in the lobby and he was clearly messed up and, and, and came up and was sort of drunkenly told me like, I have a, a problem. I, you know, all this stuff. And I said, well, just so you know, it's there for you. If you have a, 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 there's a space right up there for whenever you want to no judgment, don't worry about it. He's like, you know, I'm not ready for that yet. And I had to completely respect that. But he yeah. knew that it was sort of the angel and the devil and the uh -huh. devil was winning right then. But the fact that he even sort of saw that behavior modeled for him uh -huh. by these other chefs who were going up there to just like drink pineapple punch and, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and, and have some seltzer up there was really important. But some have that, that moment. And I think for some people, it's just seeing that we got our Topo Chico here because <laughs> we're in Texas. <laughs> and it's, it's good. Stuff. And to be able to, you know, I think these big festivals uh, too are offering alternatives. Well, that's what I was well. going to say. So, you know, so many people who are big on the organization side of it now, and and you know, I've brought it up to organiz organizers mm -hmm. locally for some some festivals. Like, let's you know, 
why are all the VIP tents sponsored by Cheetos yeah. Vodka? Let's let's have this chocolate company sponsor it yeah. and have some chocolates <gasps> and hot, you know, some things like that. And like, let's look at it differently. And so these festival organizers and event or, uh, planners, I think, are taking this into consideration and having more water options, having yeah. um, spirit free cocktails, having you know, having those options to to do something a little bit different. And and some of it, I, I think it's important that in some places there is a completely sober space just for people of mm-hmm. you know all on all different kinds of journeys. But then I think it's important also just to have this kind of mixed spaces where people can still feel like they're part of everything oh, and sure. you know tales of the cocktail last year did a really interesting thing one of the big liquor companies made their big opening party uh spirit free and you know and it was like you know they're trying to sort of figure out how it went but i i, I thought it was really pretty cool because they're still making the same kind of cocktails but yeah. with you know without spirits in them well we at, at garage you know our, our garage leader paul finn and the garage team have put a lot of effort into doing some really cool spirit-free cocktails and using the same techniques and, the, and you know some of the similar products and doing using the integrity with, yeah. with the juices and the sourcing of the ingredients and making some really really cool drinks that we serve in our bar that we don't that that are spirit-free and people can come and enjoy them and feel like they're and, and try something new and cool and yeah. exciting and it's not just like okay i'm gonna go to the bar and i'm gonna have a seltzer i'm gonna have a cranberry or yeah you know and, and, and bits and bubs and as i always say with the <laughs> or i think people don't update called bubs and bits and for some reason we're calling it bits and bubs it's seltzer with bitters in it and uh-huh. you know and and you sort of feel like it's it, it was one of those sort of like handshake kind of things too where you get in and the bartender knows what's up yeah, absolutely <laughs> but so let's talk about what you are doing within uh you know you're opening up this this place and so did you find it how was the process then when you know you 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 had some baggage Mm -hmm. and you wanted to open something new was that a struggle at all getting people to sort of invest in you um for sure um it's it's it's, there's always going to be some sort of trust issue issue there's always going to be that uncertainty of you know, are you good? Are you going back there? Can we right. trust the longevity of this? Right. Yeah. You know, which is totally understandable. Um, there are also some legal things that that come into play. You know, with with the Texas Alcohol and Beverage Commission. You know, there are certain um, restrictions I have on what I can and can not do as far right, as yeah. ownership or holding a liquor license, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And that's a whole another podcast, probably. <laughs> but um, so there's there's limitations. Um, Still, still consequences from my actions, and yeah. I imagine there will be for the rest of my life. Um, that's fine. But um, overall, I mean, I think through making, again, doing the right thing, making the right connections, net- continuing to network and continuing to still be part of the scene and the party. And the, Yeah. <laughs> I, I use the word party lightly, but just continuing to still be part of, of what's going on. I think there's trust there. I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm very vocal about about my my past, my present, and hopefully what my future will bring, um, and I think that I've 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 restored a lot of that trust, and so I've also my business partner, um, who has had similar struggles, yeah. you know, he and I have a, a strong strong bond and strong trust, um, so we're working really hard to get this done, and you know we want to uh, you're taking we're care very, of people, yeah, we're very close, and we're about three weeks out, and we're creating a staff, and we are. You know, we're going to hire about 75 people to work in this restaurant. So we'll be managing quite a bit of people. And we're going to we're trying to be very thoughtful about how we're managing those the the, the staff and, and the environment, um, creating an environment and a culture that is open. Yeah. Creating. Well, let's talk about some of these active measures that you're mm-hmm. you're taking to do that, because I because I, I know a lot of professionals are listening to this and they want to hear kind of the nuts and bolts of what you have established and how to do it. Because there's so many people who want to do the right thing by the people yeah. who work for them. They just haven't seen it yet, like what this can look like. So and and I, you're building it in from the ground up. We are building from the ground up. And you know what? It's I as a business owner and someone who has helped other people run businesses. Right. I understand why it's scary to we already have such narrow margins, right? Yeah. And that's always kind of what it comes back to. Well, I can't afford to pay my people this or I can't afford to provide health care. I can't afford to bring in a therapist or I can't afford to buy gym classes. Well, I'm going to be one of the other people who tells you the investment in your people is the best investment you will make and you will have a better, stronger, more profitable business profitable business in the long run, I promise. 
And that's just where we are as I think a society. And especially in the restaurant industry when the, the labor is so hard and the turnover is so high and the people are so unsure about what they want to do, if you're taking care of them and you're showing your employees and you're treating them as the professionals that you want them to be and as the adults that they are, you're going to get that back. And when you get that back, it completely changes the entire culture of the restaurant. When you're working with other professionals and you're working with adults, you're running a different kind of business and that business will be better in the long run. And so it's worth the investment. So that is why we insure all of our full-time employees with yeah. health, health insurance, vision, and dental. That is why we are banking shift drinks for yoga classes or spin classes or what of that of your choosing. That is why Garage was the first bar in Austin to employ, uh, to insure all of their full-time bartenders. Everyone's going to want to work for you. <laughs> well, you should, the turnover, and the turnover is, I have never been in a, this bar just celebrated its five-year anniversary, Amazing. and I have never seen so many people, so much tenure in a, in, in, in a bar. Um, and it's, it's already so hard in our industry, and, and, and specifically, but at least like in restaurants, there's this growth path. In a bar, there's a much smaller growth yeah. path because it's a smaller business and it's, it operates at different hours, et cetera. And so to see that, that see that retention um, in your staff and that culture grow and grow and like just being nourished mm -hmm. and growing. And, you know, we're wanting to transfer that into the restaurant as well. Um, you know, that's why those things are so important. So that 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 front end investment is a long end dividend, I promise. And how do you hire for that? Do you hire for empathy? I mean, obviously, skill is really important, but how do you hire I think, the one, you know, once someone, so for instance, going back to garage, once you're kind of in the point where you have people who've been here a long time and there's an attractiveness to it, you can be very thoughtful and mindful of who you hire. We're trying to do the same with Comedor, but yeah. we're also a new business. Um, we don't have a culture yet mm -hmm. right we haven't even opened the doors so and oh those doors <laughs> <laughs> so that it's culture will space. <laughs> thank you so much that culture culture will grow and evolve yeah um and it's important that as a leadership leadership group we're seeing the vision and executing it and practice and, and and practicing what we preach and i'll tell you as a human being that's fucking hard yeah you know i have situations weekly where I'm like I go home and I reflect on how I've spoken to someone or how I yeah. and it's not always it's not always pretty and it's it, and it's just it's still the nature of it but if you can think about it and own it and have conversations and be open it's, it's still okay to be a human being <laughs> yeah. you know it's still yeah. okay to make mistakes it I mean the, the forgiveness of yourself is a really hard thing to learn to do and it's so essential and I think anybody who has one of these weirdo brains like like we have like has that eternal tape recorder mm -hmm. in the back that plays it off you know that, that just plays it in a loop at night yeah, sometimes and it takes <laughs> a lot of active work to to you know shut that off so how do you course correct along the way if you think like okay we've put this thing in place it's working or it's not working so what's the process for for check-in on that um, I think, and I think it's that. I think it's a check-in. I think it's an open communication with your peers, um, open communication with your staff. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that everything needs to be done by committee. That doesn't, you know, that you can still have a vision and, and execute and stay stay true to it. But communication and listening, um, and just being again being open to hear it from the top to the left to the right to the bottom all around like everybody has something to to add to that. And if you're taking that, that's how that culture's being nourished and growing right and evolving it's always going to change and and there is there are times you need to correct there are times where you've, you you're you're on a you're on a hot streak and you're feeling good and you're like things are clicking and morale <laughs> is high and then you hire the wrong person or yeah. you snap at the wrong person the wrong the a person the wrong way or yeah. you know and these things that these things that are kind of can major two steps back um and it's just always being aware, always taking a pulse, having those people that you can check in with, those people that you really trust. Um, and also, again, providing an environment that, that nurtures that. And yeah. that's, a, that's just openness, I think. 
So let's talk about opening a, a restaurant. We we just uh, ran this really fantastic uh, story by Ashley Christensen, one of my personal human heroes, <laughs> where uh, she had given a talk at the Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium, and then we um, you know ran the, her uh, like an essay version of it, and she was talking about the process of opening a bunch of restaurants uh sort of in quick succession but not really dealing with the the sort of struggles of it during it and the depression she was feeling during it and the need to and and having the instinct that a whole lot of people have where to measure your own self-worth you have to have these particular metrics of success and open places and that is what the restaurant Uh industry sees as success and the whole thing was about flipping the script on what you count as success. So I, I know opening a restaurant is a funny time to be asking about that. Oh, so yeah. what, what is success going to look like for you there? Well, I mean, I can tell you that as someone who's closed almost as many restaurants as yeah. I've opened, I mean, there, I've definitely struggled with that. What does that success look like? And that's, that's definitely hindered some of my confidence. Um, and I think that the measure of success is, is not by how many of these things that you can open and be successful. I think it's, you know, I, t- I said earlier when we closed Bonamy, I was very proud of what we did there. Yeah. Everybody who, you, everyone got new jobs and they were, you know, yeah. we were able to place them in different places because they had done such a good job or people moved on on their own. Um, I was, you know, we never took shortcuts. We didn't compromise the integrity of what we did and it just didn't work. And sometimes things just don't work. And I think it's yeah. just noting, knowing that and realizing it, you can still be absolutely proud of the things you've done. You know, um, it doesn't, that Bonami is still a success in my mind. We opened that restaurant. We opened with great critical and acclaim and people, you know, that did come in the door really loved it. Um, just not enough of them. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, that could have been timing. That could have been location. It could, there could have been, a, I mean, mm-hmm. I have a list of things that might've been, um, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's just being proud of the things that you've done and never compromising your integrity in doing so. Then, you know, if, if I think it all has to do with being just the integrity and the pride in what you're doing. So and that's, that's the success. Yeah. And how do you, while you're opening a restaurant, I've, I've seen so many friends go through this and it eats them alive. The stress mm-hmm. of it, the, the, the uh, like the, the million different things that go into it from licenses to, you know, think what are the critics going to think to, you know, Oh my God, this order didn't show up or something. How do you take care of yourself and your team while you're opening a restaurant? Okay. So I'm gonna go back to what I said a few minutes ago about you're in charge. We are in charge. You know, there, there, yes, there's permitting, there's timelines. You know what I did for this restaurant? We did for this restaurant. We didn't, we got on zero and most anticipated restaurant list because we didn't tell anyone because smart <laughs> because we're in control of this. Yeah. We are opening our business, right? It's on our timeline. What now the things outside factors affect that timeline, mm-hmm. but, but that's still, it's on us. You know, we, we could literally sell food tomorrow, but we're not. We're yeah. not ready. So we can manage that. We're in control. Um, I think it's really important that people remember that all the time. Yeah. Um, don't, you know, I'm I, I not playing into the anticipation game. That's, that's, I don't have to. I'm in control of that, yeah. right? Um, that cuts the stress down quite a bit. Um, but yeah, there are stressors left and right for like you said the million things you have to to deal with the inspections that you pass or do not pass there's investors who are looking to see when their money is going to start making this return um there are you know partners and other people who are going to approve of this decision or not approve of that decision there's a there's a there's a million stressors and i think what's really important like for me and i was just explaining this to one of our managers who tried to call me today at 8 30 i'm like you know until nine o'clock i'm not really reachable unless it's an emergency that's really a good boundary to have yeah from 6 to seven i'm with my daughters mm-hmm. from 8 a.m to 9 a.m i'm either running or doing something else to like self-care physical or mental maybe it's a therapy session maybe it's a run maybe it's going to the gym and then after nine o'clock i'm available for phone calls i know that um some of our other managers put their phone on do not disturb until a certain time yeah and they just because you know what this, this shit's gonna go on yeah right the, 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 not everything's a fucking disaster yeah. And I think that we're, we're like, we are, have become set in this 
panic mode all the time and we don't and and i mean i still fall victim to it oh, don't get me yeah. wrong but i don't think we need to panic about everything i don't need i don't maybe need to answer every single phone call from william right i don't need to it can wait it can wait 30 minutes it can wait an hour it can wait through this recital or through this yeah. last 10 miles of my run or through this oh, sorry that's a long time but uh, <laughs> that's a long run <laughs> it can wait through that yeah it can wait and I think that's so important is people need to realize it can wait. This this building is not going anywhere. We're going to get open and we're going to be successful because we're going to do it the right way. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so I got a chance to walk through this building earlier today where before there was nothing, it was an empty lot. And to walk into this space that is full of light and movement and you know, you, this is the first time you're building physically a restaurant from the, the ground up. And uh-huh. it looks like you designed it with joy in uh-huh. mind, with freedom, with openness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere to hide in there. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide in, in there. Um, yeah, um, I have been really, I am super grateful to have been part of the process of literally building it from the ground up, from the foundation being, from the conduit being laid to the foundation being poured, um, you know, with with the partners who who originally, you know, upon inception had got it to where it was when I joined the project. Um, so excited to be part of every material that is in that building. I, yeah. I, I had a, a part of making that decision and it's so cool to build something that is a single use. You know, this isn't the bottom of a residence or a bottom of a business. This is just our restaurant. Yeah. And so many people came together to make it happen. Um, and I think everyone's super, super proud of that. So what is uh, what is success going to look like for you at the at this part i know that this can change and shift and Uh stuff but in your mind right now uh with this restaurant what do you what do you look like how when will you feel success what does that look like i will (laughs) i will have lots of successful moments in this (laughs) restaurant one of the first one will be a full staff yeah that will be success (laughs) (laughs) anybody listening to this hiring (laughs) um but I think you have to look at it that, like that. I think that there's 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 battles and successes that you're going to get along the way, and as you're as you're racking those successes up, you know that leads to a larger success. Um, ultimately, I would love for this. Of course, I would love for investors to make their money back and people yeah. to be happy and the restaurant to be in the, you know. 22% food costs and an 18% <laughs> labor costs and you know all those things, right? Um, but I th- again, I think success is like doing the right thing, hiring the right people, creating the right culture. And I think when you're making those decisions and doing them the right way, the things happen like they're supposed to. And that yeah. might be a little hokey, but I truly believe that. I believe that if we put in the time and the effort to create the culture and a space where people feel comfortable and love coming to work, then that's going to tr- translate to the guests who are going to feel comfortable and love coming to eat there. And as they come and love their experiences that they're having there. It's just all going to grow and build from that. And I think that's super important. It's like, remember what we're doing. We're here to, to serve and nourish and be hospitable. And if you're hitting those marks and you're doing it with people who are enjoying doing the same thing in a, in a nurturing, loving environment, I think it can be wildly successful. And I think that's how we measure success. What would you say to, if you had a chance to s- sit down with, 10 year ago, Philip, or 20 year ago, Philip, what would you tell him? Slow down. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you don't have, you don't have to get it all today. You know, it's, and I, I, it's, I think so many, and I think it's kind of where our society is now with the instant gratification. Um, play the long game. Like we're all playing the short game. And um, I wish I would have thought more about the long game. Yeah. Like I'm doing now. Yeah. And if I can do that in my 40s, then you can definitely do it in your 20s. I mean, <laughs> play the long game. Be healthy mentally, physically, you know, take the right steps, take the right. Don't take shortcuts, you know, did learn. And I didn't take shortcuts, um, but I see it now. I see it a lot yeah. more. Um, and, you know, that's not the old guy saying that the, the new guys aren't trying as hard. I, li- I literally see the shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, play the long game. 
live to your 40s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a, yes. that's a real thing. Like, it's, you know, I always you know, think about getting older. It's a privilege to be my age. It, it is. And I'm really excited about, like, I'm going to, I'm the pastry chef of this restaurant. You know, I haven't been a working pastry chef in yes. years. Oh, I'm so excited I'm for this. I'm really excited for that. I'm, you know, I've written a dessert menu. We've been doing the testing and, you know, I definitely have my finger in every other component in the restaurant food wise but like i'm excited to own that dessert menu and 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 do that again and that's something that i've been wanting to do for a lot of years and i'm going to be able to do and so i'm grateful for that and that's going to be just that in itself is a a successful move would you shout out a mentor of yours oh yeah i mean i've i've already touched on tyson cole who's probably my my biggest mentor um throughout my career just someone that i've always been able to touch back to and, and maintain a friendship with and and really learn a lot about um you know, I learned a lot about the restaurant business, but just a lot about people um, and, 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 and the way you think about things. Uh, you know, Nick Giannis is a, is a mentor of mine. He, it's funny, I hired him years ago, <laughs> um, but he's, he's, he's remained someone who's been so important in my life and, 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 and a mentor just on how to, to make decisions. Um, Callie Spears has been a huge mentor to me. <laughs> I can't wait the, to go to Holy Roller. <laughs> <laughs> over the years, um, you know, uh, my mentors are people who are my friends and are close to me, and I, and I look up to the decisions they make. Yeah. Um, and I could, I could list a lot of them um, because there are a lot of people that, that are important to me and that I look up to. What do you wish I'd asked you? I don't know. I think we really got it. I think we covered it. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody Uh before we go to the the five uh, questions. Um, I really believe in saying things out loud that you want the the sort of Oprah thing, the, you know, whatever it is, say Uh it out loud to the universe. What do you want? I want to create an experience, not only for the guests that walk in the door, but I want to create an experience in our restaurant that everyone who comes in, wants to be there yeah what do you want for you tell me the selfish thing <laughs> that you want for you oh i mean i want to wake up every day <laughs> uh i'll be real honest with you i'm at a point in my life where I've, I've i've i feel like the things that i want and need are right there you know from, from my from my, my my loving daughters and and family to to the people I want to be surrounded with in, in, in my professional life. Like I've, I'm really happy with where I am. I want to continue to be healthy. I want to run the last three major marathons that I'm working on. Um, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to be, I want this restaurant to do well. You know, I want, I, I want all the, I want all the things that, that uh, we're working for to, to pan out in, in the right way. Yeah, I think that's a lovely thing to want. And five quick questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's your comfort food? <laughs> Tex-Mex. What about what specifically Tex-Mex? What just specifically Tex? I mean, chips what? and queso are my comfort food. Um, and it's funny. I think you would, half of Boston or Texas would tell you the same thing. I love Tex-Mex. I love the feeling of sitting around uh, eating chicken al carbone with chips and guacamole and just like just uh, uh, Tex-Mex is my comfort food. Beautiful. What is the last meal that ha- that you had that made you emotional? Oh, uh, Masala y Mais uh, in Mexico City. Uh, these chefs from Oakland who have gone to Mexican City, Mexico City to create a restaurant that uh, bridges um, uh, Middle Eastern and Mexican food in a really unique, amazing way in a really cool space. I was really emotional by that meal. What is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? I, Wow. Um, no one cooks for chefs it's hard <laughs> yeah I mean Chris, Christmas at my dad's this past year so I mean that was just a few months ago but the, that was the last time that I mean it, it was more of a potluck I don't remember the last time sitting down and just having a meal I, I, I don't I don't know wow you stumped me yeah I, I that's a hard one for chefs people are scared to, I love cooking for chefs and mm. I you know and, and I don't get fancy or anything like that but yeah please somebody cook for Phil yeah <laughs> I cannot I, I really cannot remember yeah, let's change that. <laughs> what living musician, and this is another, say this out to the universe so it happens, what uh, living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook them? Musician, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, 
<laughs> everyone gets stumped. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not. You know, I I grew up listening to to mid '90s and early early '90s, mid '90s, and 2000s hip hop and rap, and so, you yeah. know, I've had a lot of opportunities to cook for a lot of those people. And one of my favorite meals was I cooked for all of Wu Tang once. <gasps> okay, let's <laughs> talk about that. What did I'd you, love to do that again. <laughs> what did you cook for the Wu Tang? It was an Uchi, and they came in. They were at <laughs> me and Paul Key and Masa were at a show, and we met them. Per, as we always did meeting everyone and uh we're like let come to uchi for lunch tomorrow we weren't open for lunch and they're like okay and we're like okay yeah that's really gonna happen and then we get a call from the tour manager and like we're on our way to lunch and then so we were all there because we oh my God. we started every day at uchi at 8 a.m and finished it at two, <laughs> in the middle of the night um so we were all there and uh we cooked we cooked this amazing like basically family meal style uh lunch for for wu-tang and they were <laughs> They were. They had a blast. It was so much fun. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, that's it blew my mind with that. Um, <laughs> oh, you have five uninterrupted minutes for self care. What do you do? Run. Yeah. Run fast. Yeah. Try to get a mile in. Work as hard as I can at a five minute mile. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but no, that's what I would do. That that's what I would do. That that's me first, and that's what I that's what I do. That's so good. Well, I want to thank you so much for for doing this with me and thank you to our guest today uh philip spear and you can find him at commodore like, uh-huh. and and In just a few weeks hopefully by the time this airs it will be open and on social at uh, are you just philip spear philip spear on the on the instagram and the twitter um and the facebook uh i'm very I'm much more um, active on instagram than the other two and you can find links to everything in the episode description. Thank you to our producers, Jennifer Martnick, Alicia Cabral, and Amy Frank. Thank you to Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, write a review, or rate us. And if there's something you'd like us to talk about or a guest you'd like to hear from, please let us know. You can find me on Twitter at Kitten with a Whip. Find out more about the show and catch up on all the episodes at foodandwine.com and on Food and Wine's YouTube page. Thank you for listening and take good care of yourself until the next time. 